Welcome to episode 960 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Justin Mason, joined as always by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Uh, people pretty much know I'm doing pretty damn awesome right now. <laughs> oh, it's taken 13 freaking years, and I, I appreciate the millions and millions of you guys that reached out and said, finally, Jason has his white whale. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I am doing pretty damn awesome right now. How about you? I'm doing all right. Got back from vacation this last week, and now I'm headed out uh, on a mini vacation uh, for two days to go camping with uh, with my daughter. Um, awesome. So that that'll be fun, just a kind of a quick two day jaunt. So I'll be back in time to record on Tuesday. Like it's it's super how's the uh, how's how's the uh, the quest bars going on behind you, and then uh, your. Uh... Your pursuit of quitting smoking going. Aren't you close to day 30 now? I'm over day 30. I believe I'm on day 32, uh, but I can check my little app thing I've got. And yes, I am on day 32 uh, of quitting smoking. So things are going well. I have not murdered anyone yet. Uh, <laughs> that you only admit to. Yeah, that I, I you, you, if, if my wife all of a sudden becomes less active on Twitter, you know something went awry. Um, but so far, so good lately too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's going well. Yeah. I mean, uh, quitting smoking 30, 32 days, losing weight down 15 pounds. Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a good health time for me. Hell yeah. So just got to keep it going. I think at this point, uh, it's all a mental game, right? So it's, you know, no longer the physical, uh, issues uh, aligned with quitting smoking. Um, it's more of a mental thing. Even even started kind of jogging a little bit, very very little, but a little bit. Who's chasing you? Hmm, yeah, no. It's this is the first time I've I've run in uh, in probably close to fifteen years without someone chasing me. So uh, <laughs> that's you know uh, we'll we'll see how how long I keep that up for. We do have a special guest today. That is Adam Howe from PitcherList.com. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, super excited to be here. It's one of those little bucket list items for you know most of the, the guests that come on, and it's definitely on mine. So uh, looking forward to uh, talking with you guys and chat about you know baseball for trade deadlines right around the corner. Uh, we talked a lot about it on my pod. Uh, well, it's actually live right now. We talked about it last night. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, it is a uh, trade freaked deadline out. time. Just, and... just saying, I'm just a little freaked out because Adam looks a lot like my cousin, Nick. Oh. Like, at first we got on, I was like, why is Nick? I mean, like, doppelganger. I'll have to find a picture and send you later, but you look a lot like my cousin. It's always a little bit jarring when you when you actually have the video on because often when we record these kind of podcasts, uh, we don't have video on, and so we don't know what people look like. And then you go to something like First Pitch Arizona – which I'm going to. I hope you guys are going as well. Jason, are you going to first pitch? Yep. Uh, Adam, are you going to first pitch? Hotel reserve, got the flights booked. Um, I've gone that far. <laughs> I would, yeah, I think, uh, I think, I don't think I'm going to be able to get it this year. Oh. Uh, a lot of, not a negotiation that would have to happen um, in my household uh, this year, but I, I've, I planted seeds for 2022 um, as of last month. So good. W- we'll see. Yes, yes. Plant those seeds. I am bringing the wife. So for yeah, those of you that. who uh, um, have always wanted to meet her and not want to meet me, there'll be plenty of opportunities because she'll be just, you know, 
hanging out at the pool and, and things like that while I'm in all these baseball uh, conferences and stuff. But yeah, definitely if you're interested in first pitch uh, Arizona, like now it's time to sign up because uh, I think they're uh, it's two ninety nine is the registration fee right now. That'll go up to three ninety nine, and then I believe four ninety nine by the end. So like, get it in now. I got my hotel booked. I got my tickets booked. I'm ready to go. I'm coming in on Wednesday. Uh, I think Wednesday night. Um, it's gonna be uh, fantastic. So definitely uh, uh, go over to baseballhq.com. They're not a sponsor. We just love first pitch uh, Arizona. So definitely uh, do that. Um, yeah, but so like the first time you meet people at like first pitch Arizona, like, um, or at tout wars or, or on podcasts, like where you actually have video, it's very jarring. Cause like the, like the person never matches what, like what they sound like. And that, that's always kind of, it always kind of throws me off. Yeah. I've been using video on, on our pod and it, it's, it's the same thing. And I think only one person so far hasn't used the video. So it's like every mm-hmm. time you have guys on there, you know, we had Toby Bethel crazy on there and, uh, you know, Vlad Sedler. And some people are more they use a little more photographs in their Twitter feeds and you have a general idea. Uh, but you're absolutely right. You're like all of a sudden somebody's not what not what I expected um, for good or bad. Doesn't matter. I won't name names, uh, but it, it, is, it is interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if I should name names either, but there are definitely uh, there are definitely people who are like, "Whoa, okay, that was not the the face or or the body type I was expecting," or 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 something, you know, like uh, uh, Bubba, yeah, Bubba Engerkin, like he looks exactly like he sounds. Like it's like <laughs> that that is Bubba, and like he is like perfect on T for who he should be. Um, so I, I'm sure people say the same thing about me, though. I think the the RotoWare thing takes a little bit of that. Uh, uh, you know the mystery out of that. So let's uh, let's talk some baseball, and we have to start with the uh, the wonderful news for Jason that is Nelson Cruz being traded to the Rays. Jason, I will start with you because this is your uh, you know this has been your like Christmas wish for a number of years. What are your thoughts on Nelson Cruz being a Tampa Bay Ray? Yeah, every year, and the, the frame when I say thirteen years, I, I'm like being real uh if you, if you go back to the first year the rays were competitive uh you know their big bugaboo is they couldn't hit lefty pitching at all at all uh and i would go on uh, a local sports radio show uh and call in and implore with the host the raising to go get nelson cruz out of the texas system he is just hanging out in triple a guy absolutely mashes texas had i forget who they had in their outfield at the time but there was no room for him and i like making weekly like go get this guy uh because he he was even designated for assignment before the start of that season by the rangers nobody claimed him that's how he ended up back in the minor leagues because he was out of options <laughs> uh until like every year and then uh you know obviously he's gonna be a really super expensive free agent but every year he's been a free agent the past couple of years i've implored like please go sign the guy please go sign the guy and they like finished runner up i i guess that the twins gave him three years and rays were only willing to go two this past time uh and so it's like but the last couple of times like please make a trade for him do something and so then you know friday afternoon i'm wrapping up work uh it was friday right was it fr- no it's thursday yeah um whatever day it was this week i forgot but i was wrapping up work uh and had to go out and run an errand and then uh I had to go pick up my daughter on the other side of town. And like, so like it had been rather quiet, you know, nothing wrapping up work, uh, pretty easy to wrap up. And then I get the 
Jeff Passan tweet that the Rays have traded for Nelson Cruz. I'm like, sure, I'm not even home. I'm in my car now, and I got all these people hitting me up like, oh, my God, it's happening. I can't tell you like how many of the, 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 the office gifs that I got uh, about it. Uh, so it was – it happened, and I'm extremely happy that it happens. Uh, obviously, you, the quality of bats and what he's been able to do um, throughout his career, and the guy ages like fine wine, uh, and I'm happy. I'm so happy I may even buy a raised jersey, even though it's probably only for two months. Um, although, why can't they try to sign him for another one-year contract next year until he you know, finally finally um, decides he's going to retire? Because he's like their perfect dude, as involved as he is and with charities, uh, what he is in the clubhouse, um, you know, I think he and Kevin Cash are about the same age, uh, maybe not too much <laughs> between them, but uh, it obviously makes the lineup uh, a lot stronger. Uh, and they can, like the other day, they hit a Rosarena seventh. Uh, yeah, and he's had to clean up uh, through this massive slump that he had been in until he faced Baltimore. Um, and he loves facing Baltimore, by the way. He's doing a Glaber Torres this year against them. And he has nine more games left against them, too. So that's where it was. I mean, the price they paid was high. Uh, as I tweeted out yesterday, you know, in the past 48 hours, the Rays have traded for the best hitter on the open market and the hitter they needed. They traded away three pitchers. Uh, they sent down an elite defender. And I'm forgetting the fourth point I made. Uh, but it's like I don't even recognize this club anymore because they've in the last 48 to 72 hours, they've done things that they've never done before. Um Oh, I know. Uh, they took on a player in a deal to offset this. So they took on Tommy Hunter, who may not even throw a pitch this year, um, to offset the salary of what was going to the Mets. So it's just like, hmm. it's it's crazy what they've done. And it's, it's, it's a good time. Uh, and I, I hope they're not done. I mean, as we're talking here, seeing news that they just put Colin McHugh on the IL with arm fatigue, uh, retroactive to the 22nd. So that, that buys them a week. But, you know, with the Yankees, I think it's the Yankees in or uh Yankees and Blue Jays this week uh, on the schedule. So, you know, it's an unfortunate timing because McHugh has been amazing since coming back off the IL uh, with things. So, you know, with good news comes bad news. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's it's rivalry week. How how could I forget that? It's Boston and New York this week. So that kind of sucks. Uh, but bullpen's been, been pitching really well no matter – pretty much no matter who's out there, say Diego Castillo, who I'm still not comfortable with in the ninth inning. So I've rambled on enough. Obviously, pretty damn happy. <laughs> Adam, what are your thoughts on Nelson Cruz to the Rays? I mean, Jason said it all at the very beginning. It's just like this is the kind of guy that the Rays have needed to get for a long time. And fans of like Jason and everybody else have been clamoring for. Um, I mean, what's not to like? I mean, except for the fact that. He's in Tampa, which obviously isn't the best hitters park. The rest of the vision that he gets to play in for the remainder of the season um, is just going to be beautiful to watch. Uh, having he go, in a couple in a couple series, he's in Baltimore. He goes to Fenway. Uh, he's got plenty of time opportunities to um, hit in those wonderful ballparks. He's going to, you know, the old adage that the Rays platoon a bunch of players isn't really going to affect. Nelson Cruz. Uh, and so he's going to play just about every day. Plus, you know, he might get a day off here or there just so they can get somebody else in a DH spot, maybe. Uh, but for the most part, I, I mean, this is great. I, I think I'm also more interested to hear, Jason, your thought on Joe Ryan um, and whether or not you're worried about a guy like Joe Ryan leaving Tampa. Like you said, Tampa's doing things that they haven't really done in the past. Um, they've they've created a relation like they've created um, a stigma on themselves for if they trade somebody away, you start worrying about that player, especially if it's a pitcher. 
Um, so I, part, I'm, I'm slightly worried about Joe Ryan um, since they're willing to get rid of him. He's obviously a very good uh, prospect, very good pitcher. Um, but I'll be interested to see how he develops um, in Minnesota now. Sure. Uh, you know, at one point before we jump over to that, as far as uh, the move government coming from Minnesota to um, uh, to Tropicana, one of the I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. Uh, you know, by three year rolling average park factor, there's there's nary a difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so overall, for right handed hitters. Uh, you know, if, when I'm looking at the Statcast right now, it, it's an 84 for home runs on three-year average for the right-hand side, and the Twins, uh, Twins are 89. So there's not much of a difference. It's a little bit, but when you got his power, who cares? Uh, but the other piece of that is three of the best parks for right-handed power are Houston, Fenway, and and Camden, and he's got 12 games in those parks uh, the rest of the way. Uh, so that that should help offset a little bit uh, because when you look at the way the rest of that the the west, rest of the AL Central plays out, but to Ryan and uh, for Ryan and and, and and Stratman, I don't think it's a matter of giving up on them as matter as a matter of what they had to pay to get the guy they needed. Uh, you know, obviously with rivalry week coming up, you know it's it's a it's an opportunity for them to to uh, you know we enter today with Boston and Tampa Bay tied for first. Uh, the Yankees are, I think, are eight and a half or eight games back. So if they want to put a final nail in the coffin uh, of the of the Yankees this year uh, and say, OK, you guys are done. Uh, go enjoy play, chasing the wild card. They have the opportunity this week. So I think that's what, one of the reasons why they did what they did now instead of waiting for the price to come down. Uh, towards the end of the uh, trade deadline, uh, because they saw what was on the sketch, what was on the opportunity this week. But then the other piece of this is when you look at who was uh, who was courting Cruz. The other big player was Oakland, and Oakland just typically just does this. I mean, if you read, I think it was um, Rosenthal had a piece, and like they, and maybe Petriello as well. I think both of them were saying Oakland, Oakland. They they tend to be more aggressive. Tampa Bay tends not to make the move they need to make. Uh, and you know, maybe Eric Neander read that and said, you know what, screw that. I'm going to go ahead and do it. <laughs> I don't know, but that's, I think that's why they had to pay the price they did uh, because, but the other thing is, and this is one of the things, uh, one of the critiques I've had of the organization every year they haven't made this move is like, you have the depth to make these moves. Uh, and even last year I was upset. They didn't make uh, some of the, an acquisition they needed to make, but they've had, they have this depth. And when you look at the Joe Ryan wasn't even on the 40 man roster, which is the weirdness of it all. He's the better pitcher of these twos. Um, Strotman was on the 40. Joe Ryan's over in Tokyo pitching for USA baseball. Um, uh, but he, so he wouldn't even really have been available to the club to use, uh, you know, until he got back and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but they have the depth and they still have all these other pieces. And we'll talk a little more later based on the agenda, what's out there. I hope they're not done. And I'm if they want to give up more, I'm fine with that. Because, again, they have the best farm system in baseball. And you know, they don't even raise a pennant for that in any stadium around the league. Nobody cares if you have the best farm system in baseball. They care how you use it. Uh, and this year, they're finally using the farm system as I've wanted them to use it for a long time. They've been aggressive with the call-ups. Uh, and they, they've leaned offense over pitching uh, and, and different types of things. So it's been nice to see what they've done uh, with with the, the triumvirate of, of, of Franco uh, and Walls and Bruhan. Uh, and they haven't really dove too much into the pitching yet. I've, I've sat on Joe Ryan in two leagues all year. Uh, I think it's better that he's going to Minnesota uh, because you know Minnesota also liked 
Jake Odorizzi, who I think Joe Ryan is a lot like in terms of the ride on the fastball. I mean, he throws the invisible because of the way of his delivery. Hitters have a really tough time picking up his fastball. Uh, but Joe Ryan's future depends on how he develops that off-speed pitch. And, and Odorizzi had a similar thing. Uh, then Alex Cobb said, here, look at this plane jump that I throw. And then Anota Rizzi then took it to another step. And maybe that could happen in Minnesota where somebody sits him down and says, you know, Wes Johnson can say, hey, here. I think Wes Johnson's still the pitching coach in Minnesota. Here's an off-speed pitch. Let's try it because that's been the inconsistency with Joe Ryan. But his fastball, which he throws about 70% of the time, is so good that he's getting away with it in the minor leagues. Uh, but as we've seen with so many different guys here this year coming up from the major leagues, it's a different story. All right, let's uh, let's move on and uh, talk about another guy who's on the block. Uh, otherwise, this will turn into an hour long Nelson Cruz podcast, <laughs> um, which I'm, I'm not opposed to doing. I mean, if anybody listened in the uh, in the preseason uh, and during spring, I, I I was pretty high on Nelson Cruz, so I'm I'm okay with this move. Uh, but let, let's talk about uh, Jose Ramirez because apparently he's on the block, which is a bit strange. I, I know he's going to be 29. Uh, in September, but they have him signed through, I mean, ostensibly 2023. He's got, I think, like two, like six or seven million dollar club options in 2022 and 2023. He's got a 12 okay. million, he's got a 12 million in 22, and he's got a 14 million in 2023. Oh. So he's due about 30 million dollars if you were to require him right now. Okay. But, but still, uh, like, that's nothing five. for. Other, there's a two million buyout after each of the next two, a couple of seasons. So, I mean, this no one's buying that those contracts out. I mean, he's been <laughs> exactly. too good of a player. Just, yeah, I don't want to dominate the conversation, but it's like, yeah, that's his deal is ridiculous, ridiculously team friendly. Uh, friendly. Yeah. So, uh, there's been rumors, including places like Seattle. A bunch of teams are apparently interested. Uh, so I'll start with you, Adam. Would Jose Ramirez's value change leaving Cleveland, uh, especially to a steel-friendly, stolen-base-friendly place like Seattle, um, or is he just kind of the same old stud? And, and do you actually think that a deal like this gets done? I mean, to start off, I do not think that this a deal like this ends up getting done. Um, I mean, we've been hearing this about Liriano for like three years before he actually got moved out of, out of Cleveland, and it wasn't until his final year. Um, in in the off season, so you would think that Cleveland. I, I actually I'm not surprised that Cleveland would you know wouldn't mind moving him right now. I just think that they're gonna have the same kind of ideas that they had with uh, <clears throat> with uh, Lindor. Lindor. Thank you. Uh, that they're gonna want the moon. They're just gonna want the moon. Um, I think that the prices across the board are really high right now, and they're, they're gonna they're gonna wait until the probably the very end of the deadline uh, this year to get anything big moved. Um, I think that if he does get moved to a place like Seattle, which strangely makes a lot of sense, um, just even, even where they are in the standings and where they are in the development, um, it, it makes a lot of sense. And if he were to go to a place that steals like crazy, like Seattle, um, you know, obviously not San Diego, but like these teams that like to like to move. Sure. I mean, of course his value goes up. Um, but I don't really think it's going to affect the value of him in a fantasy league per se. Um, his value really can't go that much higher incrementally. If you were drafting today, you probably draft him in the same spot that you were drafting him at the beginning of the year or even during the uh, Memorial Day drafts. Um, but 
yeah, honestly, I just don't think it ends up getting done. I think the price is going to end up being too high. Uh, they, the contract, like Jason was talking about, is just too friendly uh, for 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 Cleveland, the Cleveland the Guardians, to give up on a, a face like that that could help them issue in their new uh, branding and what have you, even for the next two years. I do think he gets moved at some point, um, but I just don't think it's going to be this offseason. And I'm, I'll have to correct myself. I led everybody astray. I guess Seattle's not stealing as much as they were last year. They're actually uh, only 16th in stolen bases this year. 42 stolen bases. That's that's uh, six stolen bases behind Cleveland. So his value likely doesn't change a ton in the stolen base department. Jason, what are your thoughts on a potential Jose Ramirez move? I mean, you know, I, I'm trying to think of it through like a, a baseball, a Cleveland baseball fan. Imagine in the last 12 months, they trade arguably two of your favorite players and change the team name in the last 12 months. Now, one of those things needed to happen. The other two don't uh, or one didn't and one doesn't. I mean, with the, with this contract, if Cleveland wants to stay in this window of, of competition, you can't you either keep the extremely team-friendly contract that allows you to afford the other moves that you're making, or then you turn around and you get, you have to get more than what you got in return for uh, when you traded Lindor away. Uh, and so like what I was talking earlier, like if, if the Rays wanted to get in in this, they could trade anybody not named Franco. And I would be happy because you look at that, you look at that contract at where the, where the price is, you look at third base, uh, you know, they've got, Joey Wendell heading into year one of arbitration. They have uh, Yandy Diaz. This, this is who they have listed at third base. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry uh, Wendell's ARB two. Uh, Diaz is ARB one. But I would trade anybody not named Franco in that deal uh, and not even think twice about it. That's how ridiculous it is that this guy's even on the market. Uh, uh, so that's where it's just unfortunate that Cleveland, you know, Again, new you know new baseball stadiums, and it's been a while since they've got their new baseball stadium. But you know, new teams are supposed to fix all this. It's a really nice place. I finally made it there this year. Went to a game. You know, their fans uh, they've lost. You know, they're a 500 team right now, uh, and yet there's still a lot of people going to their games. Uh, even when I was there in May, there were still a lot of people going into their games, and that was a, a game that was supposedly under a, attendance restrictions. So uh, it's just crazy to me that this guy's on the market, but every team should be willing to put about just about anything they could if you're a contending team to acquire the game and what even his salary the next couple of years. And even if something were to uh, tragically a body part to leave it for a while. The buyout's extremely. Yeah, I, I'm a bit surprised that this is even a question because I mean, at some point you got to go. Like, why are if they're gonna like tear it down, just tear it all the way down? Like I don't understand this whole let's trade a piece at a time thing. It was you know Lindor, then Carrasco, or in Carrasco. Now it's Jose. Like just just trade it all. Like if you're not going to compete and you don't think. Your team is maybe they don't feel their team is competitive enough to win a World Series, and if that's the ultimate goal, and not just make the playoffs, just just, just tear it all down. Or, or if they really, but like this whole trading it one piece at a time, it it makes zero sense, especially because they're not getting very much in return, you know, in, in that Lintor deal, uh, Carrasco deal, uh, you know, just I I don't understand. I feel bad for Cleveland fans. They were they were so close to a world series championship and, and now they're it seems like they're gonna get nothing out of it um 
I, I don't know that this deal happens either. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they've got a lot of leverage and this is, uh, I think Paul has been mentioning it a bunch. It feels like it's going to be a buyer's market. Uh, so maybe they can get an absolute mint for him, but so far their, their trades have not shown that that's something that they're capable of even getting for their, for their really good players. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, some bad news. Trevor Rogers heads to the IL. Uh, um, and, uh, it, this is, uh, this is a bit disappointing, but I'm going to throw it to you, uh, first, Adam. Do you think that this is more about load management, uh, considering there had been talk about him getting shut down because of his innings? Yeah. I mean, that, I think that plays a, a decent role here. Um, you know, when they list it as a lower back spasms, um, you know, I mean, you can't take that lightly per se, but, um, for the most part, I, I do worry about the fact that they're just trying to stretch him out throughout the year rather than just shut him down at a certain point at the end of the year, which, you know, if, if that, that is the case, and if you have uh, Trevor Rogers in like a head to head league and you, you need him for the playoffs, um, that's great <laughs> to an extent. Um, but it, I, I, you know, I was already worried about um, him long for the rest of the season based on that load management, whether this injury is, you know, legitimate or not legitimate. Um, if they're just doing like a Dodgeritis type of situation, uh, and so you have to you have to consider the fact that it, even if it's not a, a, a decent injury, um, it, he's how much is he going to be able to produce for you in in any kind of format for the rest the remainder of the season, based on the fact that his limits his his innings are going to be limited, whether they're limited in a game by game basis or just an overall basis. Um, and they cut them off for the, like the last couple weeks or the month of the season. Yeah. I've kind of maintained that. I didn't think that they would be, that the uh, Marlins would be uh, limiting him in, in starts that this was going to be because uh, they didn't do it with six last year. Uh, and that may have turned out to be a bad decision. That worked uh, out. Well. Six to, yeah, but I mean, six does had injury issues all throughout the minors, so I don't think that was the reason. But they let him go five, six, seven innings in starts, uh, knowing, and then they, sh you know, they shut him down when they needed to shut him down. I think that w I felt like that was going to be kind of the approach with Rogers. It appears we're going to get uh, this kind of either skipping starts or uh, um, or the, the phantom IL stint, though. Uh, and that's what this feels like. Obviously, you don't want to completely discount it because injuries are injuries, and uh, this could turn out to be something a little bit more serious. But lower back spasms doesn't seem like uh, a serious long-term issue. You're obviously holding on to him because he's just been so fantastic this year. Uh, and I, I would say on a, on a per-inning basis, he's probably a top-15 pitcher rest of the way. Jason, what are your thoughts on Rogers and this injury? Uh, my thoughts as I hope you're right, uh, but because we're starting to see some of this and, and we talked about this a few weeks ago and I, and I believe it's going to be impactful the rest of the way here last night, Freddie, uh, Willie Peralta, Freddie Peralta. Yeah. Freddie Peralta got mm -hmm. pulled with 51 pitches in four innings and he was pitching. Well, Drew Smiley got pulled after 70 pitches after throwing six shut. Uh, they were up six, nothing. He was throwing a shutout and they yanked him. Uh, and so 
and they've already openly talked about Peralta is well over his skis as far as workload uh, from where he's been previously. Drew Smiley, we we all know what his track record is. Uh, and so we're, we're starting to see a little bit more of this with some of these other guys. Um, and, I, and I'm wondering, uh, even the other, and then uh, when, because Milwaukee had two days off this week, and so they ended up taking Hauser, whose start was going to get skipped, and using him as a piggyback guy. So, I mean, kudos to them for taking advantage of the schedule. And this Adrian Hauser owner in the NL League was appreciative of that win. Uh, but we're starting to see some more of this, and the team's talking more about this. And we mentioned earlier about the Colin McHugh news about going on the IL with arm fatigue back to the 22nd. Uh, it feels to me like it's another, hey, my arm fatigue is a very general term. Uh, so it's like, okay, go back and we'll bring you back in 10 days uh, type of thing. But how these teams are going to manage these workloads uh, uh, will be will be interesting to monitor the rest of the way because we're now we're in the red. Like if you're the, if you're at your your um, tachometer uh, looking at it, you're in the red. You're operating in the red and just hoping that things aren't going to break down on you. Um, because most of these places, you look at the the market. There's not a lot of pitchers that are out there on the market right now. Uh, if you're looking to replace somebody, I mean, the, the Mets are trading for Rich Hill. Rich Hill is begging for a blister or a back problem. He hasn't had one yet this year, and he has one every year. Uh, and so that's that's hanging out there as well. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, it, it, this has the makings of being a very, very ugly end of the season, which is not what we want in fantasy, <laughs> especially in a season which I think, Jason, you meant, kind of alluded to, has not been easy in terms of pitching to begin with. I mean, what's out on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues is not very much. And so if we're going to have more and more guys get shut down uh, or, or skipped, it's going to be even more difficult to navigate uh, rest of the way, uh, but yeah, I, I'm hoping that this is this is just them trying to kind of limit his innings because he he just has been. I mean, the my biggest miss of the season, uh, but I've been pleasantly surprised and he's been fun to watch. Uh, See, speaking of playing into your biggest miss of the season, honestly. yeah, exactly. <laughs> speaking of big misses this season, or just throughout the course of my entire career doing this kind of work, uh, Carter Keyboom has been recalled. Uh, so, Jason, I'll start with you. Do we care? No, no. <laughs> I, it's like I thought he was on the, on the list because it's like, oh, if we're going to talk about the guy that Jason's white whale, we're going to talk about Justin's white whale. Mm-hmm. And that would be Carter Kiva. No, I, I honestly don't. Maybe this is the time that he'll come up and make a modicum of contact and prove us wrong. Um, because he, was, he honestly was doing it in AAA. He was finally showing the ability to hit for contact in AAA. But it's like, no, I, no, I'm done. I've moved on. I, I need you to. I need you to accept this. <laughs> this is the other bad habit you have to quit. <laughs> uh adam should i should i quit carter Keyboom? yeah i mean definitely for this year uh i mean you, you hear the whole thing prospect uh you know um it's not linear um and, but nothing's linear with what carter Keyboom has done uh in the last you know couple of years i mean he was forced up early obviously obviously based on his production uh and he i mean yeah he's showing a little bit more contact but it really hasn't forced the issue this year either uh it took how many injuries throughout the course of the season to for washington to finally bring him back up um and and, uh, among other things that have happened to uh to players in their lineup uh to be missing so i i just can't see him playing i i also can't see him playing every day even though they called him up 
I, I can't see him being in the lineup every single day to be worth um, even a flyer at this point in, in the season. I, I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he proves all of us wrong in that respect. Um, I'm pulling for him. Um, I, you know, I have him in a draft and hold somewhere as well. Uh, so, you know, I had some kind of inclination that he could, you know, bring it together. But I have no faith in him, uh, at least for the remainder of this season. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not buying back in on this one. I, I'm <laughs> he, he's got to prove something to me first. Jason said he he is making better con or more contact, uh, or at least not striking out quite as much in AAA. He's got a 17 percent strikeout rate. He's still hitting 236. Mm-hmm. Like it's still not good. Um, he's wa- walking a good amount, uh, decent of base percentage. I think this is just more a matter of they're not getting Starlin Castro back this season after his domestic mm-hmm. violence uh, allegations, and so they they need a little bit added depth in the infield, uh, and so that's why Carter Kimum's coming up. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I just felt like if we were going to talk about Nelson Cruz, we also had to talk <laughs> about the bad side of my calls, which is always Carter Kimum. Uh, let's uh, let's talk it's about to track your progress for quitting Carter Kimum. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. This is uh, I, I need some sort of like, uh, what is the nicotine lozenge version of like trying to quit Carter Keyboom? Um, I, I don't, I don't know. But uh, let, let's talk about some guys that were fairly highly drafted, uh, except for one. Um, that it might be time to cut bait on. So I want to kind of get your guys' opinion. Uh, let's start with Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen was a guy. He was going in the second, third round. Of drafts before getting injured in spring, uh, then people like me took uh, gambles on him uh, <laughs> late. He just has not looked right all season long. He's got a 4.80 ERA uh, in 50 and two thirds, and he's getting strikeouts, but he's walking the yard. He's he's allowing more home runs than he ever has. Uh, so the question, Adam, is: Is it time to cut bait on Zach Gallon? I mean, for this year, if you haven't been benching him already, um, then you need to start. Um, you need to start if you have the ability, if you have a, a deep enough uh, bench spots or or what have you. You need to bench him to see if he can actually put a couple things together. But I think the thing I'm worried about the most, obviously, is just the elbow um, and whether or not he's going to be able to go back to what he's been doing confidently and be able to put string together a couple of runs this year uh, without without having that worry in the back of his head of like injuring a little bit more he's you know he's relying less on his curveball and his cutter and he's putting a lot more pressure on his four seamer i mean then you know that probably has a lot to do with just having to overcompensate and have to worry about doing you know throwing different pitches differently he's throwing he's throwing harder um at least that four seamer than he was last year and I, I just I do worry about the elbow. Um, if I'm in a if I'm in a dynasty league, which I have Gallon in my home dynasty league, I, I'd definitely highly consider trading him to somebody who has a lot of faith in him long term. Um, if I'm trying to compete this year and even next year, um, do just worrying about him being on the shelf for an extended period of time if he does re-injure or you know extend that injury uh, moving forward. Jason, are you on the same page with Zach Allen? Yeah, I am. I mean, the tough part about him is, like you said, he's still striking out guys, 27% strikeout rate. So it's like it's tough to quit on him long term. 
but it's easy to quit on him in 2021. Uh, as you said, you know, he's walking the yard, uh, 12% walk rate, the, the home run rates one, two, uh, per nine. So that's a, that's a pretty rough combination to work. And even, yeah, it leads to was the, the whip issues of uh, 1.4 base runners per nine. Uh, it's just in one win. I mean, what are you, what are you rostering him for? If the strikeouts are mostly there, I mean, he's getting strikeouts in games for you. So that works, but that's it. He has one one win on the season, uh, and he's and he's hurting your ratio. So if you are chasing strikeouts and you have the type of roster that can that can absorb the ratios, fine. Uh, but this really screams to me like a change of scenery guy. Uh, but I don't think Arizona's going to let him go anytime soon. So uh, he won't be taken as highly next year. I'll say that much. Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to be in on him next year. This just, I mean, a lot of what Adam was just talking about, I agree with, and uh, it, it screams the elbow isn't right. And if the elbow's not right, I don't think it's going to get any better. And he may be one of those guys people target, but uh, l- I mean, let's just talk about like his next three starts are Los Angeles, uh, at San Diego, and then home versus San Diego. Are you? Can you use him in any of those next three starts? I can't. Nope. Uh, and I mean, I've got him in the main event, and I've got a you know, it's a fifteen team league with not much on the waiver wire. We we're just talking about how little is on the waiver wire right now. Um, I I think he's got to be benched at at the least, and I think in ten and twelve team leagues, you should probably cut bait and move on. Uh. Speaking about guys who uh, I have in, in a lot more places, unfortunately, than I have Zach Gallon, uh, that's Eugenio Suarez. Uh, and he has hit for power. 18 home runs, 53 RBI, hitting 172 on the year with a 30% strikeout rate. Uh, we thought maybe last year was a little bit of a small sample aberration, but at this point, I mean, I, I know the BABIP's super low, but uh, like at this point, like, it's not getting good or even like palatable in the batting average department. 205 X batting average. Jason, is it time to cut bait on Eugenio Suarez? So I'll jump back to a uh, tweet Joe Sheehan sent out on the 19th. has said, for all the focus on the bullpen issues in Cincinnati, Eugenio Suarez may be the biggest reason the Reds missed the playoffs. Uh, and yeah, when you look at... We look at what he did. I know we talked in the preseason about the the concerns the the concerns on his overall game about moving to shortstop and that just the 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 mental issues with that. And maybe that's how it's played out. Because I mean, as bad as he was in 2016, he's been measurably worse this year offensively. Yeah, sure, he's got the home runs and the RBIs that that are helping you there. But the 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 tax you're paying to roster those counting categories is absolutely killing you. No matter if you're an OBP format, you're about it, whatever format, it's absolutely killing you. Because uh, he's out there every day uh, doing this as well. Uh, and it's just really tough. But again, it gets back to roster. If you've got the type of roster, because maybe, you know, maybe your batting average already stinks as a team, but you have the run production. And they're like, okay, I, I, you, know, you have opportunity to gain in run production. We're at the point of the season where it's like if you're already hurting in, in batting average OBP, whichever format you use, you pretty much know there's only so much ground you're going to be able to make up in the final third of the season here. But when you can stare at your counting categories and see where you're at and what's potentially there, uh, it's it, it's worth holding on to him. I don't have him anymore. I'm glad I don't. I can only imagine having having Eugenio Suarez uh, and um, oh my god, I'm, why am I calling him Adam Dunn? I'm drawing a blank. Who's my other guy that I like in the Marlins? 
That was Adam that. Duvall. Duvall. I can only imagine having the two of those guys on the same roster. At least Adam Duvall hits close to 200, or he was. I was looking the other day. So that's where uh, it's. That's where it, I can only imagine having these two because that's the thing about Duvall. Same tax is like he's out there every day playing and he's getting the and he was getting the run production. Um, but you know he's hitting at least he's up to two thirty three. But there was a point in the season he was hitting two hundred five. Now two thirty three is pretty close to league average. <laughs> well, those, he was he was down at the tank. He was hitting low. Mm-hmm. You're right. I mean league average is two forty four. I think right now. Uh, but oh, that's he, actually up. If you have these two, I can only imagine having these two in an OBP league. You're like, oh my god, I'm tired. It's yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's been fairly fairly. It's a league average is two forty one right now, uh, so it's slowly been climbing because at the beginning of the season it was like two thirty six. Yeah, so uh, Adam, are are you cutting bait on Eugenio Suarez? I mean, I have I have Suarez. I think in one twelve teamer and one fifteen teamer. Uh, and I, I, have done the thing with Suarez where he starts off as my starting third baseman. And then, you know, maybe I filled him in at shortstop once he got that eligibility. And then, you know, after a couple of weeks, moved him down to that corner infield spot. And maybe I moved him into the middle infield spot. And then I moved him into the, like the utility role. It's like in my head, it's a demotion each time. Obviously I'm still eating all of those terrible stats <laughs> throughout the year. Um, until finally he's just sits on my bench. I think in anything lower than 15, yeah, I mean there are other options in 12 teamers and definitely 10 teamers that are going to that are going to give you the kind of power that he that he's still providing with less of the hiccups of the slash line. And with all the talk about, you know, moving to shortstop and maybe that being a mental game. I mean, he's been playing third base since May 7th if I'm not mistaken. And in that time, he's still slashing 186, 266, 380 with a 72 WRC plus. So it's not exactly, you know, if he's, if he's needs to get more comfortable, um, he's taking his sweet time to do so. Um, you know, that 37% hard hit rate for a guy who hits so, with so much power compared to his 44% last year um, is not, you know, doing anything for me as well, as far as, expectations that he's going to, you know, move that bad bip up um, and get a little bit luckier uh, with some of those, you know, grounders and some of those hits to get him on base a little bit more. So I, I can't imagine, um, you know, holding on to him for the remainder of the season for, you know, in a 12 teamer um, and 15 teamers is it's, it's difficult. Um, if you, if there's anything that happens to come out on the wire, that is equivalent of Suarez um, it, it's, it's, it's likely that I'll go out and try to acquire that player and, and, you know, cut bait completely, even in a 15 teamer at this point. Yeah. Over his last 30 days, he's hit three home runs. He's hit 160 with a 34% strikeout rate. Uh, I, I don't have a problem cutting Johanio Suarez, especially if batting average is a category uh, in which you are somewhat competing. Uh, if you're going to put batting average, then fine. Yeah. You hold on to him, but uh, at this point, he, he's doing more damage than he is uh, helping your team. Uh, and I, I think one of the things people kind of forget or, or don't even, or don't realize is how much the ratio categories can move in the last few yes. months of the season. Uh, Todd Zola has done some really, really great studies on this uh, and really shown like just it's harder to kind of quantify and you've got to actually kind of, you know, spreadsheet it out for yourself. But uh the ratio categories can move and can move a fair amount 
Uh, and if you got a guy hitting 170 or 160 uh, on your roster, that, that's not going to help you uh, make any movement uh, and can often help other people catch you, unlike the, the counting categories where you can't, uh, you know, you're not getting negative uh, stats. So uh, I don't have an issue dropping Suarez uh, in a 10 or a 12. In a 15, obviously, there's not a ton there, and you're likely going to replace him with someone who's <laughs> just, like just about as bad. <laughs> Um, so unless you've got like a really big lead in home runs, probably not wanting to drop, uh, uh, Suarez, but, uh, yeah, in, in your tens and twelves, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Matt Chapman has just not been the guy that we thought he was going to be coming into 2020 or 2021. Uh, he's got 12 home runs. He's hitting 217. He's struggling again over the last 30 days. Adam, is it time to drop Matt Chapman? I won't do it. I won't be the one that does it. I am a, a big Matt Chapman fan in general. Um, you know, I think the a lot of the worry, I think there was actually a lot of worry about Matt Chapman coming into the season um, as the uh, as his power concerns um, may have been sapped from, you know, the previous injury, his hand injury. Um, and But he he's actually, you know, since June 1st, yeah, in the last 30 days, maybe not so great, he's you know, since June 1st, he's been, I like to say, perfectly average. <laughs> he has 100 WRC plus um, since June 1st with a 233, 306, 409. So obviously that OBP is not, you know, fantastic. Um, but as you mentioned, 233 is exactly league average <laughs> in uh, batting average. So um, he, he, Chapman's not the guy that you're going to, you want to bring on to help your batting average. He wasn't going to be an anchor, um, but he's not hurting in that category either like Suarez. Uh, he does have seven home runs through 180 plate appearances in that time. And he's hitting the ball a lot harder than he was in the first two months of the season. Uh, you know, the 43.5% hard hit rate in that time compared to the 36% hard hit rate that he had in the first two months and a 12% barrel rate versus the 9.4 barrel rate that he saw in um, April and May. So, I mean, I'm holding on to Chapman. I told somebody a couple of weeks ago that I've been holding on to him in a couple of leagues and he had a nice little stretch literally during that during the time of that question where you know he's making me look a little smarter um but i i have uh what, what i love about chapman and what everybody talks about all the time is that of course he has one of the best gloves at third base in the league so you know he's going to continue to be thrown out there um he he's gonna have the ability or, or oakland's gonna give him the ability to work through any other slumps that he might be showing um until he can get back to where he was um, and I, 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 I'm not worried per se about the ratios like I am with Suarez. Um, and if he's going to be playing out there every single day for a team like Oakland, who's competing, um, he's going to be able to can still be able to volume his way into more counting sets. At least that's, you know, that's what I'm hoping. And that's what I'm, uh, that's what I'm, uh, expecting moving forward. Jason, uh, Matt Chapman over the last 30 days, not going all the way back to June 1st, like Adam was just saying, hitting three home, is it three home runs hitting 193? Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty concerned. Are, are you concerned about Matt Chapman right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of jumped right in on what the point I was going to make, right? So I'm like looking over the last 30 days, and I'll like I was I was going to ask you guys, like, hey, of these three guys, which one would you keep? Matt Chapman, Dylan Moore, or Jorge Soler? Like which one of those three? You're know, like if you if I made you keep one, which one would you keep? Are we talking long term or the rest of the season? Rest of the season. Oh man, I hate to say that I probably would keep more in that group. Yeah, I think think you have to with the stolen bases. Yeah, yeah. It's been. And I mean, flexibility. The reason, yeah. why, 
Yeah, well, the reason why I bunch these guys together, each of them has three home runs over the past 30 days. Mm-hmm. Each of them has 10 or 11 runs scored over the last 30 days. Uh, Moore is leading the group with eight runs driven in over the past 30 days, and he's leading the group with a 203 batting average. The other Chapman 193, Soler 186. So it's just like sometimes we think like, oh, by you know, by name, if I without even uh, if I just said that, I mean, because I love Matt Chapman, I, he's a phenomenal defender, but you know, it, it it feels like he's clearly still adjusting to the the offseason hip surgery and, and whatnot, and so he's having a, an adjustment year. And just put it down now, you're going to want to buy Matt Chapman in 2022. Just go ahead and do it now while his value's low. Uh, but the other two names, like everybody knows, like, oh, my God, Dylan Moore can't hit. strikes out too much. But he's still running. So you're, you're thinking about the stolen bases in Seattle, Justin. It's Dylan Moore. He's the one that's mm-hmm. really uh, flaming it because he is doing a lot of running when he's on base. And then Jorge Soler has been just a massive disappointment. And, you know, he is... I, I think I have more Solaire shares than you do Keyboom shares uh, this year. Uh, and it just really sucks because there was a game the other day, the last time, honestly, the last time I watched him hit, because I, I just can't do it anymore. He had bases loaded. I think it was against the Red Sox. I was like, all right, here it comes. And he hit the snot out of something. Look off the bat like it was a grand slam and it made it to the warning track. And I'm just like, the new baseball. Uh, and it just, it's, it's killed him this year. Uh, but it just looked gone off the bat. Everything looked great and it made it to the warning track. All right. Uh, but yeah, those are the three names. So if you're like, Oh, it's Matt Chapman. Oh, Dylan Moore. He sucks. So Eric God, he sucks. They've been the same guy for the, for the power categories and batting average. Dylan Moore has been the differentiator with the stolen bases. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it's okay to drop Matt Chapman at this point. Um, you know, obviously it's dependent on who you're picking up, but, uh, yeah, 10, 12s, I think are, he, he's a fairly easy cut. I mean, the one thing I love about Matt Chapman is what, uh, Adam mentioned is, is the fact that he's such an elite defender. Like he's going to continue to play even when he's struggling. And I think this proves this out because he has just been brutal this year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if he's not going to deliver, great power and 12 home runs in the season, three home runs over the last 30 days. Uh, and then he's also not going to deliver any sort of batting average. I mean, at some point it, it's, I think it's just okay to move on. Uh, let, let's uh, move. Uh, let's continue to move on and talk about Cody Bellinger. I, I just noticed I put Matt Chapman on the rundown twice. That's how brutal he's been. <laughs> let's talk about Cody Bellinger. And I think people are going to kind of be a little bit up in arms that I'm even bring up the idea of cutting Cody Bellinger, but he has been injured off and on pretty much all season. Uh, they're, they're, the Dodgers are saying right now that he could play on Sunday. He's got a hamstring injury. Uh, he's got four home runs. He's hitting 162 on the season, has two stolen bases. Uh, over the last 30 days, he hasn't been much better. He's actually got a 36 WRC plus, three home runs, one stolen base, one, hitting 122, 221, 268. Jason, is it time to cut bait on Cody Ballinger? Yeah, I mean, this it's been awful. And with the hamstrings, it could happen again. Uh, who knows? I mean, he's not going to run if he's, he's dealt with the hamstring. You know, pretty much chalk away the stolen bases. It's just... It, it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with the Chapman issue because Bellinger had the major offseason joint surgery, uh, if you will. And I remember talking about this quite a bit in the offseason when we were recording to say, you know, like, look, this is going to be a concern for him coming back in 2021 uh, and that I have historically had this this 
major uh, hesitancy to go after anybody having major joint repair, uh, shoulder particularly. Uh, but this, and this is what Bellinger's problem was. And so I expected struggles, but good God, nothing like this. I mean, we're still, we're still just a season and a half removed from MVP caliber season. And then it's been just utter garbage sense. I mean, in a reset league, I don't know how you can't find something better at this point, uh, rest of the season. Uh, you know, it, I hate to say it always gets back to roster construction, but again, this guy in the lineup every day is not doing anything for you other than hurting you. Adam, are you dropping a guy that won the MVP two seasons That's ago? the stigma you have to live with, right, in these te- in your league if you have a guy like Cody Bellinger who's just like, he's killing you. He's just, he's absolutely killing you. Um, you know, even when he's in the lineup is you drop that name and that all of a sudden that name shows up on your, on your uh, waiver wire in your league and your whole, all your league mates are like, I can't believe that happening. And you have to live with that. But that's what you get to do. You get to live <laughs> with that when you do cut <laughs> a guy who's producing like Bellinger is, and you get to live and play another day. Uh, yeah. I mean, you have to be able to, you know, have the stomach to hit the, hit the X next to his name. Um, on your roster right now because he's even even, I was I was going to say earlier in my head I was like well maybe in a daily league you hold on to him because when he does play but no he's not he's not producing at all even when he is in the lineup Um, and he's not going to continue to play um, the remainder of the day he's on the Dodgers let's remember he's on the Dodgers the Dodgers love to manipulate these things especially when it comes to health concerns Um, they have the depth of you know, the best depth in baseball for the most part. And they just seem to find guys uh, like the Zach McKinstries of the world um, to kind of fill in where needed. So when guys like Mookie Bits and Cody Bellingers of the world, who obviously were or are maybe still are superstars, uh, falter, they have guys that they trust to go ahead and fill in two or three times a week. And, you know, in McKinstries, he's playing almost every day as of the last week or so. So um, there, there's a time and a place to like, you know, hold on to your first or second round, but you're, we're, we're this late in the season, that stigma, that stigma has to be thrown out the window and you have to consider that. I'm, I'm lucky that I only have one share of Cody Bellinger uh, and he, he is sitting on my bench. He'll probably be a high consideration cut for me. If not this weekend, next weekend after the trade, the deadline ends. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, I, I mean, I really need to kind of sit down and kind of examine like, his, his swing and stuff right now, but uh, from what I've seen just kind of in watching him in, in giant Dodger games or when I have the Dodgers on is uh, he has not gone back to that 2019 MVP swing. He went to the two, the 2020, he's gone back mm-hmm. to the 2021 and then he hasn't been healthy. And I think the combination of the two things are just eating away at him. It's so hard to drop a guy like this because, like Adam said, like it's you have to end up living with the idea that maybe you help someone else win your league if they pick him up and he's really good rest of the way. Uh, but I, I totally understand dropping him. He, he's been absolutely brutal, uh, and there's no reason to think he's going to turn it around at this point because the, the swing doesn't look right. He's uh, been injured all throughout the season, um, and he's injured right now. And so I don't know that I could drop him and I don't, I thankfully don't have him in any fab leagues where I have to make that decision, but especially in your 10 and 12s, there's probably someone on the waiver wire who's going to be more productive rest of the way. 
Because he will get picked up. Like, that's the thing. You drop Absolutely. Him. Somebody yep. in your league, if you're in a five-teamer, somebody will Somebody's, still pick him up. <laughs> someone's going to pick him up on name value alone. Uh, and that, I mean, so you know that it's he's not going to be back there on the waiver wire when you're, you know, when he starts, to, if he starts to get hot for you to go back and pick him up. And he's, he's just going to, he's going to be gone uh, uh, immediately in the next fab period. So... Uh, let's talk about a guy who was not highly drafted like these other guys. Uh, he was actually fairly lowly drafted, but you got a lot of goodness from him early in the season. Uh, and that's Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who hit, who's hit six home runs and 15 stolen bases this season. So why is he on this list? He's been brutal recently. He's got 26 WRC plus over the last month, zero home runs, zero stolen bases, only a total of 10 runs in RBIs combined, five runs, five RBI over the last 30 days. He's walking at a 2% rate, uh, hitting 193. Uh, is it time to just kind of cut bait on Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and thank him for what he gave you early in the season and move on there, Adam? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm all about just banking what you got here. Um, you know, he's especially in like a Yahoo, I think in Otnu as well. You know, he had that catcher eligibility. So he was obviously a fan favorite uh, in draft season, even even late, like you mentioned. Uh, but you're at a point now where you're just like, you know, thank you for your time. Uh, we're going in a different direction um, as you are as well, it seems. But I mean, one of the major things that was so that was so appealing um was was the speed that he did provide you even if you even if you're in a league that he didn't have catcher eligibility um he still was providing you with those stolen bases he's not doing that in in addition to everything you mentioned um and a lot of that has to do with as we talked about like seattle's not running as much texas was a team that was running a whole lot at the beginning of the season as well and they're not running either um, so on the on the season, Texas is eighth overall with 55 stolen bases, but two thirds of those that came in the first two months of the season. You know, since June 1st, they only have 18, which is 20th in the league, um, and I think four of them um, in that time frame went to uh, kind of falafel. So if there's not an opportunity for him to, you know, add that extra boost um, into that category, which was really the only thing kind of holding him around and making him that much more valuable. Uh, then I, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely better options out there at this point, even in a 15 teamer, um, he's probably like, he was probably sitting in your middle infield slot anyway, at best. Um, and as guys start coming up or as they're, as prospects are being called up, those flyers could provide you with a probably a little bit more of a boost than, than Flawful has been and honestly, probably will continue to. Um, and who knows what Texas's lineup is going to look like this time next week um, after the treadline happens as well. But I, I, I just don't see him being... I'm happy with what you gave me, but um, I have no faith in what you can give me moving forward. Jason, what about you? Is it time to drop Isaiah kiner Falefa? Yeah, I want to in my home league. Uh, you know, like, like you said in the in the intro there with him, he has as many stolen bases as home runs as the, those of us on this podcast today. So that's <laughs> it's playing just about every day. Uh, I mean, there is some accountability in Texas. Like they farmed out Nick Solak the other day, who was just as dreadful, uh, but they farmed him down uh, with things. So it's just really been tough for uh to carry him because his value was that you could use him in multiple places uh and that he was hitting high in the lineup uh and now he's not doing much of either he's he is i believe they've moved him down in the lineup and he's been living down in the bottom 
part of it when he plays because he just hasn't been doing anything. Uh, and, and Texas is an awful team for a reason uh, with this. And it's not like they have a, a ready-made replacement. The, otherwise, it would be somebody up doing it. Uh, so he's going to stay in the lineup and continue to hurt you. And you got to hope that he can, in, in the offseason, rediscover what, what has made him good. I mean, he was you know, in the second half of last year. Uh, and early part of this year doing well, but he is just in a massive, massive slump right now. And it's hurting. He's found his way back into the leadoff spot as of recent in the last two weeks, but he still only scored two runs from that spot <laughs> um, in that time frame. So that's tough to do. That's yeah. like that's only dry that's like only driving in two runs from the cleanup spot. That's yeah. really tough to do. Well, I mean, it, it hurts when you're not getting on base. I mean, that's that. I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to. Is he's just on top of not, you know, hitting, make, getting a lot of hits. He's uh, he's not walking at all. Yeah, Two twenty-eight I mean, on base average over the last thirty days isn't going to cut it. And that, his last his last walk was uh, July third. <laughs> that's the thing. He doesn't. He doesn't even strike out that often. He's putting the ball in the play. It's just not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been pretty ugly. Yeah, I think you can. Just thank him for what he did for you early on the season, the 15 stolen bases, uh, you know, six surprising home runs and, and, and kind of move on. I mean, he might get another five to seven stolen bases rest of the way, but at, at what cost to the rest of your team? So, uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk about uh, some guys that we're worried about. We're going to move through these ones pretty quickly because we're already over an hour thanks to our uh, 70 minute conversation on Nelson Cruz uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Jason's not sorry at all uh, so let, let's start with uh, Kenley Jansen Kenley Jansen uh, you know started off the year fairly well the underlying numbers have not looked good uh, and now he's starting to blow saves blew two straight saves against the Giants though one of them shouldn't have happened. Uh, and for those who weren't watching that game, uh, he he struck out Darren Ruff on a check swing that wasn't called a strike. Um, and I mean, he was Darren Ruff was like almost all the way around, and then he would go on to blow the save uh, when the game should have been over. So the question is, uh, Adam, is it? T- are you worried about Kenley Jansen? Yeah, I thought you were going to ask, is it time to cut Canley Jansen um, for a second there? N- no, I, it's not time to cut Canley Jansen. But I am worried, and if for no other reason, um, you know, he, Dave Roberts and the Dodgers love Canley Jansen. He's obviously the one being paid to close out games there. He's going to continue to give those opportunities. Um, but they aren't necessarily going to always go to him on, you know, two days in a row, as they showed earlier in the season what they were doing, at least at the start. And the thing is, the Dodgers are in the middle of a whole bunch of rumors regarding bringing in other high leverage relievers. Now, I don't necessarily think that like an Ian Kennedy addition is going to supplant Jansen as a closer in L.A. Um, but between what Blake Drinan is doing um, and then any any additions that they're going to bring in um, to alleviate the 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 responsibility from Jansen throughout the course of the rest of the year. Um, that's what I would be worried about the most and not necessarily um, Jan- Jansen's performance kicking him out of the role, but more so the over the workload that the Dodgers are going to try to avoid bringing on him. Um, and the other the other thing is to be worried about is that Jansen wasn't the guy that they were going to for saves in the World Series last year. So, um, you know, Justin, I've heard you talk about the, a couple of years ago with, uh, you know, with Daniel Hudson being the mm-hmm. guy getting saves uh, for Washington um, in, in the playoffs. So 
there's a lot to say about who you want on the mound in those spots in the most important games. Um, so I do worry about the overall workload that Jansen's going to see moving for the last two months of the season and what kind of uh, bodies they're going to bring in to alleviate that. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to give him quite a bit of rope. And I mean, like I said, like the second blown save really should have should have never happened. And I I think Dave Roberts knows that that shouldn't have happened. That being said, as much as they are paying him, uh, this is the last year of his contract. They are not tied to him after this season. So if they decide to go away from him, uh, that's not going to uh, the money is not going to be the reason they stick with him. He, he's going to have to continue to perform. They've got other members of this bullpen. Like I said, they're going to be going out and probably shopping the deadline. And, and the one thing they need to add probably is more bullpen. Uh, so I would not be surprised if at some point they move to Blake Trinan or they move to another guy. Uh, and if I have... Kenley Jansen on a team I think now is the time to start looking at the backups and handcuffing uh them to him uh just in case so and and we'd be talking about probably Blake Trinan and and or Joe Kelly I think Trinan who's been really really uh good this season uh would be the guy uh next man up Mm -hmm. so obviously you're not dropping him he's still the closer there's no reason to think he's not going to be the closer uh but uh, if I have Kenley Jansen on a team in a fab league, I am I'm spending a little bit of fab this week on Blake Trinan just to be safe. And if I'm super saves desperate in a league and Trinan's on the wire, I may try and go and uh, uh, just throw a couple bucks at him this week and see maybe if I get lucky. Because if, if these struggles continue, they will move him out of high leverage in the same way that, uh, like you said, Adam, they did in the World Series. Uh, Joe Musgrove has been uh, brutal, um, and it all lines up with uh, the sticky stuff being taken out of baseball, which is uh, a bit concerning. Uh, the, the surface numbers for the season look fine, right? You know, he's got a 27.4% uh, strikeout rate. He's got a 313 ERA. But he's been pretty uh, pretty shaky over the last month. He's got uh, three starts where he's given up uh, four or more earned runs out of the last five. Is it time to get worried about, or are you worried right now there on, uh, on Joe Musgrove, Adam? I mean... It- it's hard to not associate the you know the whole sticky stuff thing with the production that guys are are going through um but we've seen other other players kind of like turn it around obviously you know the garrett cole is the most obvious one um and so you know i i do believe that obviously the talent is there for musgrove i also believe that he has a pretty favorable uh, questionable uh schedule coming up um, you know, it's nice that I think he's lined up to face off against Colorado in San Diego uh, next, and he'll probably face Arizona after that. Um, so it's nice to see that he has like these these upcoming landing spots that could provide him with the opportunity to kind of like bring it bring it back and get him a little bit more comfortable on the mound. Um, yeah. I'm not worried enough where I'm benching Joe Musgrove. Um, You know, he's probably not a a must start for me, but he's I get to have some pretty, pretty specific needs at that time, especially in a weekly league. 
um, where I'm going to be benching him, um, especially with the upcoming matchups, if they all line up, because obviously with the trade deadline happening, you know, rotations are going to be moved around and we don't really know who's going to start when. But um, overall, um, you know, I'm, I'm holding on to Musgrove and I, I'm going to let him and the Padres kind of uh, ride it out for the remainder of the last two months of the season. You know, he's still providing you with, um, with other things like strikeouts haven't been there in the last couple time, couple games. Um, he mostly obviously single digits, but like the highest was six in the last, you know, seven games or seven starts. So that, that aspect, you know, I'd like to see that bring up a little bit more. Um, he's not giving up a ton of home runs. He's not, he's walking obviously a little bit more than you'd like to see, but, Overall, you know, I'm holding on to him and I'm not quite ready at a point where I'm going to bench him, especially with the uh, good matchups coming up. Jason, any fears for you on Joe Musgrove? Uh, you know, he's still been able to win two of his last six starts, which is helpful in that area. But the ratios hurt. I mean, he had a good outing his last time out against uh, against the Marlins, but that's to be expected. That's what I mean, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a wow outing. It was, hey, that's nice to see again uh, that he's capable of that. So I echo most of what Adam had to say uh, in that regard. And we'll have to uh, he's not a must start uh, anymore. Uh, just you got to really see where the matchups are. And it's, it's tough, but that's what it is. And the other thing that you look at his workload, uh, you know, he is barely making it through the five. Now uh, they are quick to lift him for the pinch hitter. Uh, so if you're looking at those two wins or, or games that he stayed in a little bit longer. So that's the other thing I'm wondering if they're starting to monitor his workload a little bit. Now, the way he's being used over the last uh, four or five, uh, even when he was pitching well, he got taken out of the game. Uh, looked like a little early. Yeah, I think it may be a combination of things. I think uh, it could be sticky stuff. It could be the workload issues that you just mentioned, uh, Jason. But I, I, I mentioned this recently on a podcast, and I can't remember which podcast I mentioned it on, but just that I was starting to get a little worried uh, about just how poorly he's been performing. And, you know, you do wonder about, you know, some of these guys who – you know, we're so used to this sticky stuff and are now having to figure out how to pitch without it. I think he'll be fine in the long term. Uh, it's just a, it's a bit concerning to see, uh, you know, the home runs uh, kind of popping up a little bit more here. Uh, the walks popping up uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. I don't think this is actionable though. You're not dropping him. Uh, you know, maybe like Jason mentioned, he, maybe he's not a, a, a must start every, every time out, but you're also getting into situations like we've talked about throughout this episode where there's not necessarily a ton out there on, on the waiver wire, um, <laughs> to start over guys like Joe Musgrove. So, uh, you know, it, it may not be much, there may not be much he can do. Uh, Tyler Mall is, uh, you know, he was a pleasant surprise coming uh, coming into last season. Uh, Jason and I were kind of uh, big fans of him coming into last season. And he's kind of doubled down on this season a little bit. But it, it's been shaky as of late. So, Jason, are you worried about Tyler Mall? Uh, a little bit. I mean, he's he's still getting the strikeouts, which is good news. He's not getting the big one. I know we all got excited back in the middle of June when he struck out uh, – 12 brewers uh, and that's right as the brewers were getting hot too so it's like he came and and put a little bit of pause on their on their hot streak uh, a little bit so that was a surprising outing so he's still getting his strikeouts but you know he had the the five earned run outing against milwaukee the last time out uh, 
given up multiple home runs in three of his last five outings. Uh, and those things weren't there early on. And so you look at the struggles uh, of where he's been, it's been that uh, because he had pretty much avoided the multiple home run games, except for one against the Cubs in early May um, and then the Cardinals in the first game of the season. But that had been it until this recent rash against Atlanta, against Milwaukee and against St. Louis yet again. Uh, so not concerned enough where I'm looking to move out, but I may pay a little bit closer attention on the, what the matchups are to decide if I'm going to leave him out there in the lineup. What about you, uh, Adam? Are you are you uh, worried about Tyler Mall right now? Yeah, I mean, it goes to the point with all these guys is what's available out there. And uh, Mall's not going to be a guy that I'm going to drop. What I'm most concerned about in, in recent is obviously the increase in walks to go along with those increase in home runs and those multi-game home runs, multi-home run games, as Jason talked about. Um, you know, one or the other doesn't hurt you nearly as much as what we've been seeing with him where they're happening on the same, you know, in the same game. You know, you got four walks, three, four, four in the left in his last four um, outings and then two, two, zero and one home runs in those outings as well. So that's going to obviously hurt him if he can get rid of one and and even hold on to the other one. You know, not ideal, but I like to see that happen, which is what he's been doing pretty much all season. Um, it, it's been pretty rare that you see, uh, like Jason said, a multi home run game from him. And even, even when he had a three home run game back in early May, he had no walks to go along with it. So those home runs, solo shots, not, um, not hurting him as much, obviously as when he's loading the bait or putting guys on through four pitches, um, and then letting the next guy hit him in, uh, for, you know, two earned runs instead of just the, the single, uh, in the matchup play as well. Um, again, he's going to be a guy that I I'm rolling out in the multiple leagues that I do. I have him in as well. Um, I'm not seeing myself bench him a whole lot. Again, it's going to be a situation where I'm going to have to have a very specific need to actually put him down. Um, and with all the other injuries that we get on a regular basis, uh, Molly's guy that I'm going to, even if nothing else, forced to be to trust uh, to be put into my rotations on a weekly basis. Yeah, I wonder if he's one of the guys that's having sticky stuff issues as well. Uh, because, I mean, the, the end zone command has been a problem. The, the control has been a problem. He has given up eight home runs since the 21st of June, which was the date in which the sticky stuff uh, mm -hmm. uh, has been an issue. So, uh, and, and walked 19 in 31 innings over the course of that time. So, uh, yeah, I think he's kind of moving into kind of not in every start kind of guy right now uh and in especially at home which is you know you know part of the issue is uh you know if you look at his two home or his two road starts over the course of these last six uh since uh june 21st he's given up a total of one home run in the other four starts he's given up a total of seven home runs uh and i think that is that is a huge issue you're pitching yeah, in great america ballpark uh not having the sticky stuff i think is getting to him a little bit so i think he may be is more of a road streamer uh at the time and a team streamer uh for right now uh as he kind of tries to figure out how to pitch without the sticky stuff uh let's uh we're we're going to cut off uh one of the guys i had on the list uh and just move through the last two guys cuz these are kind of big names that maybe people haven't realized that they've been struggling uh, a little bit here over the last 30 days. Uh, the, the first one is Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker was like MVP talk uh, 
and he's starting to kind of slow down. He's hitting uh, 204, 288, 366 with three home runs and stolen base over the last 30 days. Is this just a blip in the uh, on the radar, or Jason, are you starting to get worried about Jesse Winker? Not worried. I mean, the season as a whole, there there are peaks and valleys throughout the season for any one player, uh, and it's usually when a guy gets extremely red hot, then it's on the other side of that. Uh, and because a guy was so red hot, you you kind of overlook what the recency is uh, of it. And, and this particularly applies to the guy we'll talk about next as well. Uh, but I'm I'm not worried. Not going to adjust anything for here. Just have to hope that uh, you know it it gets corrected soon. It's just tough. It's tough when you're in contention in leagues to see one of your guys that were that was a big part of the reason why you're why you are where you're at right now to to get into a slump uh, at the worst possible time. What about you, Adam? Any worry on Jesse Winker? No, I have no worries whatsoever. Um, you know, he's still playing every single day um, in the top top of the order. Uh, it's not bad leadoff as he was earlier in the season, but, you know, that two hole is actually probably more valuable um, for all those counting stats, um, evenly dispersed. I, I had the opportunity. I mean, I took this opportunity during this, quote, slump. Uh, to actually, you know, buy Jesse Winker in my, you know, in a dynasty league that I that I'm in, that it, it, taking advantage of the situation that the 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 other manager sees the it's more recency bias. It's like, all right, maybe he's not breaking out. I'm a little behind, um, and you know, I'll I'll cut bait while I can, um, and I'm I'm taking advantage of that situation, knowing that what he has been able to put together over a longer period of time. This is a short little stint if you will um compared to what he's shown us and he just winker's also the the, the guy that everybody's talking about like you know if he puts it all together if he puts it all together if like this is what he should be when he was doing it last year um and so i i expect this to kind of flush itself out and 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 move forward i mean he's not on any of my benches um even during this because he he could have what uh you know, Nick Pollock calls a tiara for pitchers, but like he could turn it around at any time. Yeah, I'm I'm not worried about Winker, and I think you guys summed it up pretty good. I think he he's been fine, uh, or he he'll be fine rest of the way. And I think uh, you know at this point you're playing with house money, right? Like it's just he's been so good for your for your teams. If if you took him outside the top 250 where he was going this year, you've already banked way more than you thought you were going to bank. Uh, so anything else on top is just gravy. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not cutting him. I'm not, I'm not worried about him at all. Uh, <clears throat> uh, last guy we're going to talk about, I mean, and this is going to be one where I think people are a little surprised. Uh, in the first half, Carlos Correa hit 16 home runs with a 288 batting average, 61 runs scored, 52 RBIs. So far in the second half, obviously small sample, right? He's hitting 037. No home runs. He's only got one hit, a double. He scored two runs and got three RBIs. That is it so far. Any worries, Adam, on Carlos Correa? I really can't uh, have that much uh, concern here. I mean, we talk about the sample size of Winker. It's like, like you mentioned, yeah, it's it's really bad out of the gate from the All-Star break. Um, but this is an incredibly small sample. Um, the thing with Correa is, you know... I, 
I know there's the there's you know two rules of thought about this about whether or not you, how much how much stock you put into you know wa- your walk year your contract year. Um, Chris still has to play for that contract, um, whether or not you know there's a season or not for, for him to sign a contract in, and that's another podcast. Um, but I mean, I still have to believe that you know he's going to get himself to kind of figure this out and get out of this little slump. Um, if nothing else, just to get paid in the, in the next off season. Um, he's, you know, all, everything he's doing this season, as you alluded to, at least in the first half, um, you know, is showing me that, you know, he can easily get back out of this. You know, he's walking at a really good clip. He's not striking out. Um, you know, he'd like his average to be a little bit higher, but you know, that, that power is, is showing, um, he's hitting the ball hard, um, you know, 44% hard hit rate on the season, um, close to a 10% barrel rate. So he, he's seeing the ball well as a whole, not as of late. Um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not particularly worried about him right now. Jason, any worries on Carlos Correa? Yeah. You know, well, the thing he had a stretch I saw on Twitter, he had a stretch of OBP where he had a 478 OBP, uh, at one point of the season, like over a 45 game stretch. That's how ridiculously hot he was. And again, what I had said earlier is like when a guy, yeah, from May 11th to June 3rd, uh, Joe Luckhopt, uh, Reds fan and tweeted this out 478 OBP during that stretch. And like Jonathan India, the heater he's been on lately was, is at 460. I mean, that's the kind of clip over a 45 game span. Correa was 0 for 29 at one point, uh, during this. And I know he was sick a little bit just after the all-star break. And I don't know if that was real or just him trying to dodge the all-star game. I forget which, I mean, point the blame wherever you will on that. Uh, but it, it's, one of the weird things over the last 30 days is the Astros are dead last in team batting average. And he's part of it. This is the reason why, but they are dead last. We All that fun we poked at at Texas, they're still one point better in batting average than Houston is over the past 30 days. Um, but again, this stuff evens out. So as red hot as Correa was and as ice cold as he is now, then you got to figure it's got to be a happy medium somewhere in the middle. I think he drove in two runs last night with a walk and a sack fly, something along those lines. Uh, yeah, because last night was that game. Alfonso or Alfonso Marquez had a strike zone the size of a stamp, and um, Framber Valdez and Kyle Gibson were walking everybody because Marquez just doesn't does not call strikes, uh, and so he got RBIs without putting a ball safely in the play uh, yesterday. So hopefully things will turn around for him. But yeah, this is again what you have to expect. And as long as he's not hurt, then he's not hurt. Uh, then it's just a, a slump. Slump hap- slumps happen in baseball, but this is one of the more extreme slumps. Yeah, I'm I'm not super worried. Uh, I mean, I think it's a small sample. Everything you know, you guys mentioned. Uh, it's just something to kind of monitor. I mean, he he he'd been so good uh, at, at kind of the beginning of the season, uh, and but this kind of uh, kind of hammers home the point I was making earlier that batting averages can move, right? So. He was hitting 288 uh, at the start of this or the first half of the season, uh, and through just eight games worth of action, he's dropped his batting average to 267. So this is something to monitor with those guys we're talking about that have been batting average sucks this year. Is, is batting averages can still move, and and while a player is definitely a smaller sample than an entire team, you 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 have a guy hitting 150, 160 rest of the way. It's going to affect your team batting average over the course of the rest of the way. So uh, just wanted to kind of hammer that ho- point home. But that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. This is, this is amazing. 
remind everybody where you can reach on social media and then plug everything that you do. Sure. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at 80 grade. That's all spelled out. And then you follow uh, my pod that I co-host with uh, the 2020 TGFBI champion, Kevin Hastings. So you come and listen to what he has to say because, uh, you know, he has the history. And that is at On The Wire Pod. The name of the pod, of course, is On The Wire I write a couple articles over at Pitcher List uh, during the week. Um, take a look out for that. But uh, the pod is definitely is definitely where it's at. It comes out every Sunday morning in time. All we talk about are fab options every single week. So we got a lot of a lot of good stuff in today's episode. Um, Greg Jewett at the Athletic and Coffee and Closers was our guest. So we went a good two hours in the pod and talked about closers. I think about for 75% of that. So <laughs> a lot of, a lot of closer talk on this last episode. It was a good time. Definitely go check that out. Uh, I was on with my wife mm-hmm. uh, earlier on in the season. Uh, it, it was a blast uh, and it's a great uh, thing to listen to right before fab starts or it gets rolling on Sundays. So you guys record usually late on Saturdays and it's up for people Sunday morning. So that way they can listen before they set their fab bit. So if you listen to this on Sunday, Click it off. Now go over and listen to that podcast. So, uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, you can, uh, read my work at Fangraphs, Friends of Fantasy Benefits, and TGFBI.com. Hear me on this podcast, uh, the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast and the TGFBI podcast. Uh, and then Jason, where have you reached and what are you working on? You can find me at Jason Colet on Twitter. Uh, and uh, right now I'm kind of waiting to see what trade deadline, um, stuff brings. Uh, but also want to take a deeper dive into some of these workloads to see which guys we should really be concerned about. I know I wrote something about five, six weeks ago to say, here are some guys that are already out there uh, and to see what's now that we have. And I think I wrote that before we got the the whole um, sticky stuff rule put into play as well. Uh, and so now it's like we have multiple factors in play as we get over the final third of the season. Uh, and what's going to happen? Are we going to see a swing back to relievers starting to pick up more wins like we did last year? Because that was such a huge uh, market last year to pick up those uh, reliever wins, uh, especially early. And I'm wondering if this year we're going to start seeing that later in the season as, uh, as teams start to pull back uh, the accelerator a little bit on these starting pitchers and start, especially when we get to September, when they have the, ex, uh, when they can expand the rosters a little bit, they bring up a couple of extra pitchers and all of a sudden that guy, you know, instead of facing that extra batter, they're getting pulled. And then now it's up to some reliever getting the win. So really trying to plan ahead and be proactive for how September is going to play out. Yeah. It's uh this is going to be interesting. Try deadline. I mean, it has the makings of something that could be really active and fun and, uh, and and really affect fantasy leagues in a lot of different ways. Uh, definitely tune in to next week's episode because we will be covering all of the trade deadline moves uh, after after the deadline with, I think, Jake Hallisker, I believe. The, is. The, yeah, the deadline is Saturday, right? It's Saturday, it's Saturday at midnight. So we'll no, so Sunday morning when we get together, uh, we will... Uh, or se- is it Saturday midnight or noon? It's Friday. I thought. I thought thirty four. Whatever the thirty first is. The thirty first. No, they moved it. They moved. They moved it, it to the thirtieth because they okay. didn't want the deadline to happen during all the middle of those day games. Well, it's yeah, still a four so. p.m. It's still a four p.m. deadline though, as it has been for the past. Yeah, it is the thirtieth. You're right. It is four p.m. Eastern on the thirtieth. Okay, four p.m. <clears throat> so we'll be getting together on Sunday morning either way, and we'll be uh, we'll be talking all the trade deadline kind of breakdown and. Uh, and all of that uh, with, a, like I said, I believe it's Jake Callisker of, of Rotosaurus uh, 
to uh, discuss all that. So definitely tune in next week. Until then, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, have a fantastic baseball season.